We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. MMA's homegirl, <laughs> Golden. What up? Thank you for coming by. No problem. What's good, Nick? Uh, chilling, you know, just uh, trying to keep busy. I'm in the middle of a sort of, we were talking about this before we started recording, a uh, social media break. Ooh, nice. I needed it, man. Nice. I've been, I've been going, I've been going ham for about like a year and a half. Yeah. And I finally found a period where I can sort of just chill, right? Like. We were talking about the app later, mm-hmm. which I swear I should be an investor or like <laughs> I should get some equity in this because my boy Dami put me onto it and I went over to his warehouse. He has uh, Finney shoes. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So I went over to his warehouse after we had recorded a podcast. We were just hanging out and pulls up his laptop and I'm just like, what the hell is that thing? He's like, dude, it schedules your posts, Twitter, Instagram links it. My mouth, my jaw dropped. <laughs> I was like, yo, that's what I've been looking for for the longest time. So now everything that people have seen over the last like couple of days nice. has all been from later. Nice. Yeah, because you post a lot. Like your cadence is pretty good, right? Like it's like three times a day or something like that. Definitely two. two. I have a little method to my madness where it's at least one picture and one video. Right. And then from there, it's you'll get a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's it's two every day. So yeah. you're talking about like 14 posts. So I was, you ever look at your screen time? <laughs> yeah. Is I try not to, but like every now and then you just got to check yourself, you know? What, what, like, what's your screen time at? I'll tell you mine too. I don't even remember the last time I checked it, honestly, because I just try not to. Are you on your phone a lot? I am. I am because I have to be. You know, so like, that's the thing. You have to be because that's your job. Right. I have to be on it because it's my job. It's my, you know, content creating. Right. So if you have a purpose for that, then you should be on your phone a lot. Yeah. But just seeing the numbers all together on one page, it just, it just never, it never sits well. You know, even if it is my job, it never, it never sits well. But what's your screen time? Your um, screen? Now with later, honestly, with later, I'm under four hours. That is good. Compared to minimum seven right to excess of nine ten sometimes when when it's a football game on or there's a pay-per-view on or any big sporting event uh-huh. i'm nine to ten hours just constantly just you know tweeting posting whatever it is yeah and then you look back you wake up the next morning like what the fuck was i doing for nine hours on my phone 
it's too much, man. Do you consume slash do most of your social work on mobile or like on your laptop too? Because a lot of times, like me, like I have to have a pulse, right? On like mm. what's going on. So I need to see what's on IG. I need to see that, but I'll like cheat and be on my computer and doing it. Are you like more mobile or like? I've started using Instagram on a laptop. It's not bad. It's, it's not, not bad, bad at all. No, no. Bad. So I prefer it on there. Also because though I'm staring in front of a monitor for so long, mm -hmm. whether it's a phone, a tablet, whatever, these glasses are blue light glasses. Ooh. I don't know if you've ever gotten a pair. I was considering it. Yo, they're amazing. Yeah. Another thing that I should have some equity in because I'm just like <laughs> hyping up all these like different products. But I got them off Amazon. A buddy of mine, I've told this story before, but he's a DJ, like a legit DJ, how uh, EDM DJ. And I called him one day and he's wearing glasses on FaceTime. I'm like, dude, you don't wear glasses. What are you doing? He's like, yo, you should get you a pair, man. They're legit. Especially if you get those like little nagging migraines right. or whatever it might be. So I've been using my laptop more just to take the screen time away from my phone. But it's still, it's roughly the same. It's the same thing. I kind of like the laptop more, especially for IG, just because like, you know, like I can see the videos on a bigger screen. Like I can like multitask. Ooh, yes. Yeah. And also, you know what is good for IG Live? Interesting. Yeah. I've never, I don't think I've ever watched an IG live on a laptop. Yeah. yeah. Why do you prefer it? Um, just because on my phone, I feel like there's different things going on, you mm. know? So it's kind of like, for me, I feel like, first off, my battery is shit. <laughs> so yeah. it'll die quicker. And then I like having the ability to like jump to different things, right? Like for me, it's like if I'm already typing on my computer, it's dope to like hear the audio and then I have this window up right here. I can have another window side by side. I'm in a Google Doc flexing. And then I'm hearing, you know, what's going on on IG at the same time. Yeah, it seems way more productive, too. Definitely way more productive. Definitely way more productive. And also, you know what? It's like... Um, Do me a favor. Just move the mic just a little bit closer to you. Over the here. whole thing adjusts. Yeah. Here? Uh, just, yeah, right there is good. Yeah. All right. Um, just is going to help me with the production later and I yeah, hate yeah. to have to edit. So yeah, no, it's like, cool. <laughs> no, it's cool. Let's, let's do everything here. Yeah. So with the, you feel more productive. Yeah, I feel more productive. I feel more productive. Cause me too. I like, I'm on two laptops a mm. day, right? Cause it's just like, I, I just have to be. So usually I'll have like one of my laptops, which is, we'll have like social content and I'll have stuff like that. And then my other laptop, it has like all the docs, Excel sheets, like different things I have to have up. Um, and then the other laptop, whether it's like IG, whether it's like I'm rewatching old footage of fights or something like that, because usually there's always some sort of content I have to be curating or helping get ready or like thinking about like taglines or something like that. So that's usually my workflow. I like to just do that. And then I'll, you know, I'll, I get my text on my laptop. Like I could do everything on my laptop. So my phone, if I see my phone jumping, it's usually just calling. I love that. I like getting different ideas and how people conduct their day-to-day -day stuff when it comes to, like, content creating. Right. Right? Like, I, I linked up with Dami, and he told me about later. Mm -hmm. I had Serge and CJ in here from Culture Hub. Yeah. Shouts to those guys, man. They always show love. Family. Really good dudes. Yeah, Family. for real. That's how we connected, yeah. too. Um, they told me about Clubhouse early on. Right. Like very early on. And I've been experimenting with that app a little bit. How's that been going? How you, what do you think of Clubhouse? It's very dependent on the club that you join. Right. Because it gets fucking weird. <laughs> they get weird sometimes. Like you'll there there are some there's some and I've connected with some people that are really cool ass people 
and it's dope. I like it. I see the appeal to it because mm-hmm. it's only voice. So people like that because you don't need to get dressed up. You don't got to put on makeup. You don't got to like, you know, I was in a clubhouse. I had just gotten back from the gym. Right. I'd never do a podcast in that situation. Right. So it's way more comforting for people and it's a way for them to be heard and mm-hmm. people want to be heard. With all that being said, there are some crazy clubs you might join where it gets crazy. Like guys are trying to get girls to come to their rooms or to meet up certain places. You'll join one with like DJ Mustard and like these rappers and they get all over the place. And then there's other ones where they get like super duper religious on there. Oh, I haven't seen those yet. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that some of the titles are misleading. It'll be like, oh, podcasting 101. And then before you know, you're like, what the hell did I just stumble into? Yeah. I haven't seen many on MMA. I've, um, I mean, I have, but I think it's because I have, you know, myself in my bio. So I feel like people Mm. are always adding me. They're not like super big, but they have, I'm I'm not really on Clubhouse anymore, but um, the last time I checked, they had maybe like a few hundred people. Um, so like I told you when I had that downtime over the holidays, that's when I I think uh, I was invited to clubhouse in November, but in December I was like, all right, cool. Like I'm at home, like, you know, have some downtime from work. Let me see what this is about. Um, and I hopped in and I kind of like you, like I saw the benefit of it that a, like, you know, some people are camera shy. Some people are just doing multiple, multiple things, even if you're working throughout the day. And it just makes more sense to kind of drop into like a, a chat. I could listen or I could talk kind of like the same like I listen to like a lot of podcasts in the day so it's kind of the same thing right mm. like seeing what topics you're hearing um but then I also did see some chat rooms where it was just like it wasn't really productive right or like it kind of it's not really a conversation but more of five people trying to shout out their instagrams and trying to self-promotion right exactly exactly so I see the the pros and cons of it but for me it's like once I got back to work I was like yo I there's no way I can do this. Like, it's just, it's just too random chats, you know? Like, I found, like, when, when I didn't really have, like, a lot of time not working, it didn't appeal to me as much as when I just had strict downtime. I couldn't agree with you more about that because I felt the same way when I got on it around Thanksgiving, yeah. but I didn't even open the app until, I'd say, mid-December mm-hmm. as well. And... There were people that joined it at the same time with me, and now they have thousands of followers, but they're yeah. in it all the time. I just don't have the time for it. I, I just, I can't. And I would love to. Like, there was, um, I know there, there was one chat I was in that was about, like, investing in stocks, and that's something I'm trying to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because of the GameStop yeah. <laughs> scenario. But trying like, to get on yeah, point, but, like, right? before that, I was, like, trying to get into it. So it was really insightful for me, like, to hear that or, like, you know, there were some chats that I saw, they would start really early in the morning and I wake up at the crack of dawn. So like, to me, that was appealing. So it's like, all right, cool. Like I could wake up and there's people on my level, like, you know, that up and, and trying to talk about, you know, what time are you up? <sighs> usually somewhere between like 530 to six, usually. But I have like a crazy, I'm like a wild insomniac. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I got you beat. <laughs> yeah. I wake up at 3am every morning. I sleep probably like four to five hours a day throughout my Monday through Friday. Oh. Yeah, I'm not proud of it. This isn't like a flex. I, I wish I could wake up at that time. I, I used to, I feel like it started in my college days, like doing all nighters. And then when I started working, like kind of have to do all nighters too, low key. Word. Um, but 
this past year, I'm trying to be better about it. Like, I'm trying to, like, you know, actually give myself, like, cutoff times. Because uh, it just catches up to you. Like, it caught up to me a little bit. I just, I noticed, like, my creativity kind of not slumping, but kind of, you know. Plateaued, maybe? Yeah. Like, is it, I'm just not as sharp because, you know, my your, our bodies are doing so much. And especially in quarantine, I feel like, you know, I'm working in the same space that I'm sleeping, right? It's different when I was commuting every day and changing my environment. I'm about to turn up your volume on that one because keep going. No, no, right. keep going because right. I, I, it'll make sense in a little bit, but I'm loving what you're saying right All now. All right, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not commuting. Like, I'm not getting energy off of people in the office and, you know, doing all these things. Like, I used to be going out to different marketing events every night and all this stuff. I'm just in the crib. Like, I'm just in the crib. So I feel like there's a there's a mind-body connection with that. You know, when you're working the same place that you're sleeping, I feel like, you know, it kind of throws you off a little bit. So, yeah, so for me, like, I don't have the greatest sleep. I probably wake up around three to four times in the middle of the night, you know, and then have to try to fall back asleep again. But I've just been trying to give myself cutoff times of, like, yo, okay, you just have to be in bed by this time. Like, even if you're up staring at the ceiling, got to be in bed. Like, you got to be in bed. You got to rest your body. You got to rest your mind because... Creativity is everything. You know, you got to be sharp. How do you keep it up, though? How do you? Well, I've been I've been doing it for a while. So it's kind of my body and my mind have become accustomed to it. Right. But the reason why I said before I wanted to turn up your volume on that is because the reason why I got this was because I felt like my creativity plateaued during quarantine Mm. because it, it, it was a weird situation. Right. My show at its core is a sports show. Yeah. But I also love long-form conversations. Sports is involved in it, too. But I feel like I'm in the interesting business, right? Like, I find guests that I find interesting. Number one, if I know them, that's the ultimate number one factor, is if I have some kind of a relationship with them. I know this is the first time that we, we've we met, but we've been talking, DMing, and yeah. you know, dumb shit like that, whatever. But, and I've done some homework on you, too, some of the stuff that you've done. And we have mutual friends, right? So, like... That's my number one priority. I've passed up on people that have a big following and whatnot just because even through DMs, it's like, mm, it's very vanilla. It's very, there's no f- substance to it. Yeah. So it's not worth it for me. So number one, my top priority when I get a guest is I need to know them and they need to be interesting. And from there, I feel like if if they have a similar interest with me, I can have a conversation with them. I mean, we haven't even dove into, like, what you do at all. At all. We're about, like, 15 <laughs> minutes into it. Word. But going back to what you said about the creativity thing, it, the reason why I got this was because of that. Because I felt as if, you know, March, April, cool, whatever. I'm, I'm very creative. I put all the segments together, all the shows together. Even in the past when there was more guys that were on the show with me, too. It was something that came easy to me. Mm-hmm. But then it got to a point where I was like, fuck, man. I'm eating, sleeping, showering, working out here too. I can't go nowhere. I don't have a gym to escape to. I don't have the city to go into for work. I'm like, yo, I need to move out because I think I might stop this whole thing that I've been building because I lost my interest in like getting creative. And then I started around September, even my buddy Alan, because I live in Long Island. Well, my family lives in Long Island. Mm -hmm. So from here to my old crib is about 35, 40 minutes, give or take. But depending on traffic, it might take you like an hour. Yeah. So my buddy Alan, who I would do the NFL shows with, would be like, dude, it's a it's a trip for me to get out there. Right. And I feel him because I used to have to do that trip constantly back and forth twice a week when I was recording back in Astoria. So I had to move out 
and I took on this expense because I could have been complacent and live at home and have everything paid for. But it's a combination of a bunch of stuff. I, I was losing my creativity. I'm turning 30 in a couple of weeks. I was like, yo, fam, it's kind of time for you to be a real man. And, you know, and also like nothing against anyone that does that. I mean, shit, I was living at home until I was 29. But I, it was a combination of a bunch of things that I felt like I needed to make this move to move out here. So I love what you said about the whole you were doing everything at home yeah. and just the accumulation of maybe stresses and pressures of just no escape. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, like I said, like pre-COVID, I was going to fight every week, every other week. Like I said, like in New York, it's amazing how many marketing events there are each and every single night. A big brand is going to rent out a space, have a crazy guest list, have a musician, have free alcohol, free food, and cool marketing activations, right? And that's how they introduce a new product, introduce a new song, introduce a new collab, what have you. And that was my going out. Like, that was where I went to network, link up with people. Because to me, like, I'm 26, I'm going to be 27. I'm over the just going out to drink. Like, it, it just doesn't appeal to me. Cause I, but what's, what's cool also with what you do is that you're doing that while being in a professional setting, right. which is, I feel like people are going to be jealous to hear that. Because that's <laughs> probably what people would want to do. I mean, yeah. shit, that's what I like doing when I yeah. go networking. Yeah, like that, to me, that's, that's the ultimate. Because it's like, all right, cool. Everyone that's going to be in this room, like... Chances are higher that I'll meet someone that I could really mess with, that's on the same motivated tip, that I could do business with, you know? And if not, like, we could just be homies, right? Like, mm -hmm. you're into, like, you're, you're on my same vibe. Like, on a Tuesday night, like, you're going to go to work and you're trying to pull up to this event and see what's good and meet people and network. And, like, that's what I'm about. Like, I'm, like, as I get older, I'm, like, yo, the clock is ticking. Mm -hmm. You know, clock is ticking. So, like, if, it doesn't make sense for me to go out and drink for no reason, you know? Like, no, of course, it yeah. needs to be an occasion of some kind for you to, right. to to go out and drink. And me, when I go to things like that, I'm a I'm a social drinker. Yeah. So I'll get like a I love Blue Moon, so it's easy for me. But like I'll get a Blue Moon because it's also a dark bottle, mm -hmm. so people can't see the, how much is in there. And I'll hold that the whole night. Yeah. Because like I also don't want to act a fool when I go to something like that. Yeah, two drink minimum. Two drink I mean, minimum. Maximum. 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 <laughs> <laughs> minimum. Yeah, yeah. 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 Good correction there. Because I went, I went to Vegas last March, and I did some networking out there. It was a combination of a bunch of things. It was a UFC pay-per-view. I met with some people from Blue Wire mm -hmm. that were covering the event. I also went because it was like my birthday weekend. So I was like, oh, you know what? Let's. And I didn't drink until I went to the event. I went to like a bunch of networking things, and I really felt as if that was the first time. I was like, yo, you know what? You're really serious about what you're doing. You didn't act up. You didn't act crazy or foolish. Even my buddy Alex, who flew out from Chicago, he's one of my editors and my graphics guy. He was like, dude, I'm surprised you haven't drank yet. I was like, bro, I got to be up at 7 in the morning for weigh-ins. I got to go this. I got Ooh, interviews. Yeah, weigh-ins. You know what I mean? So it's like, I can't. You got to be responsible with that. Yeah. So that's why I feel like when you go to these events, it's dope because you're having your fun, but also you're there for a purpose. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like, that's what I was used to, you know? Like, And honestly, I'm used to my crib is like where I sleep. I shower, eat breakfast, I'm out the door. Like, I'll be the first one at the office. I'll be the last one to leave. I would post in the office until, like, 2 a.m. Like, that's normal for me. Because it's, like, when I come home, I just want to chill. I just want to rest. Like, unless it's something really ASAP, then I don't want to be locked in at my crib. So when COVID happened, totally switched that up. So now, you know, I, I just made my, my space more 
acclimated for that. Like, you know, I just figured out like what what vibes, you know, I need to have in my workspace, like what in the morning and the night, like what really makes me be creative, you know, like kind of what what I need to switch up. So it's been a lot of like plants and candles, which for me, I've never been the plant or a candle kind of girl. Like literally, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I've never messed with flowers, never been into candles, but never been into like incense or anything. But now I'm like, I got the sage on deck. I got the crystals on deck. I got the morning candles, got the evening candles, got all my vibes ready, you know, because working, that's what I like. I like to have aromas. I like to have like life, like plant life. You know, I like to have like, that stuff around me, but still a tough adjustment for sure. You know, Golden, I, I uh, tend to have an issue with this. I, I take too long to introduce my guests as far <laughs> as like what exactly you do, yeah. just because I get caught up in conversations and I really enjoy these, but MMA's homegirl. I fucking love that nickname. That's Thank dope. You. What is it that you do? I am the global marketing manager for the PFL, the Professional Fighters League. Love it. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. That title's sick too, right? Uh, <laughs> it or what? I mean, hey, you know, I earned it. So. Nah, I love yeah. that for sure. How'd you How'd you get into MMA? Ooh, boy. So as I look at your Austin 316, it's my goat. But, okay. Like my number one goat. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's Mine's is China. And okay. after After I tell you my journey, you you'll understand why. Okay. Okay. Um. But but yeah. So as a kid my family uh pro wrestling kind of just brought us all together like that was that was the thing that we watched and you know guys like ken shamrock like there was there was always this little mma kind of tie there right and he mm -hmm. would always have these like like the lines then match or like these these matches that kind of themed on what back then was mma but it was still so new yeah. in america like like martial arts is the oldest you know one of the oldest uh art forms of of physicality and like you know sports in the world but what we know about all of them combined together is probably like as old as me, right? Like probably like 27 years old. I like, think that's definitely fair. Yeah. yeah like, like, I, I think it was 93. 93 yeah. was the first like UFC and then like the, the Gracie yeah. just choking people. They're like, yeah. what the hell is this dude doing? Right. And then BJJ gets introduced right. and before you know it, it's an explosion. But yeah. Yeah. So um, always knew about it there, right? Like always knew about it there and then kind of slowly like, mid 2000s like uh we kind of just grew up grew a little out of watching strictly pro wrestling and uh i'm the youngest of three kids have two older brothers perfect scenario for a young girl um and they love watching the ultimate fighter so i would always kind of be watching it and hinting at it and it always just i don't know why but it just kind of captivated me because it was just these cool stories. You see these crazy, like it's reality TV, but with combat. And it was just so different and new. And so I was watching it, you know, like here and there then. And I think it was really when I saw, like we were talking about before we started this uh, podcast, uh, Gina Carano versus Cyborg uh, in Strike Force. Like when I saw that, I was like, yo, I'm in. Like I just immersed myself into it. So I just started watching MMA all day, every day, especially throughout the summers. I remember just one summer, I literally probably just watched Spike every single day, and all they would show. That's was, a throwback. Yeah, all they would show was tough. Uh, so I, I just loved it. So I was I was watching every promotion and just especially kind of just seeing more women get that platform. Like that was that was 
that pay-per-view, that Strike Force pay-per-view, was the first time women headline. Ever, yeah, headline in MMA. And it was then that I kind of was like, hmm, like maybe, maybe there's something I can do with this, you know, like maybe like I could like, you know, maybe, maybe somehow after college, like maybe I can find a job in that sport. Wow. So from there you wanted to work in MMA. Yeah. Yeah. So up until that point, uh, you know, I have Caribbean parents. So like when you have Caribbean parents, either you a doctor or a lawyer. So I was on the lawyer route. Right. Um, and and I was pre-law in college, too. But my college roommates were he was Haitian and the other one was from Jamaica. Yeah. My family's from Haiti. Yeah. 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 yeah so I'm first gen. Um, so, yeah, that was my thing. But from there, I, I was just I was just so captivated with it. I was like, I, I want to figure out how to work in this business. And I always wanted to work. Like, I was always kind of interested in marketing. It always seemed cool to me from a young age, like, because it has this psychology aspect to it, right? You have to figure out how to cater to different people's interests, right? And Catch and, their attention. Yeah, and, like, even just the difference a word can make, the difference a period can make in marketing is amazing. So I was new from there, um, and in college I had sports internships. It was never specific to MMA because there's no blueprint to get into MMA. You know, it's very different from football, basketball, these other traditional sports that have such a popularity in America where, you know, there's internship programs and there's, you know, all these different things. You work for a certain team and then exactly. from there you move up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In MMA, it's like, I didn't find any of that. So it still didn't really seem like a possibility for me to break into the industry because... I, I didn't see how. Um, and also, I didn't see, you know, I didn't see anyone who looked like me doing what I wanted to do, right? Like, I, like, talk about women breaking in, but black women breaking in, black women breaking in MMA and the business side, I didn't see that, you know? When I'm looking on LinkedIn, I didn't see any of that. So, it, I really just had to kind of make my own experience. And um, I just ended up, so... I, you know, I went to college for pre-law. I graduated. Um, my first job out of college was uh, a sales job at a SaaS startup, uh, like an ed tech startup. So I was doing that. Um, and at the same time, I'm like, you know, all right, like, this is not my end-all be-all. Like, I'm trying to break into sports. So it kind of became a mindset that, hey, like, maybe if I can't break into MMA, maybe I'll just, just get a job in sports in mm. general, right? And, like, just figure out a marketing job in sports in general. So... You know, I, I was doing that sales job, and for the first year, you know, I'll be honest, I was making great money, I got great experience, and I really learned how to sell a product, right? More importantly, sell a product that I wasn't really invested in, right? I wasn't really passionate about it. It was kind of just a, a job that I knew would give me great experience and really get me in the door of, you know, a lot of different areas in marketing, because a lot of marketing has to roll back to sales. Always thinking about what can generate revenue. But I knew it wasn't really for me. Um, and, you know, I, I went on this journey of interviewing for different sports companies, and I kept getting to the final round. And, and in these interviews, it's like, you know, you're final round, you're making in-depth presentations, you're doing these big pitches, it's a lot of work. Can't tell you how many times I got rejected. Every time you ask, not enough experience not enough experience, not enough experience. And I got really depressed and down about it. 
Um, yeah, it's a, everyone has a breaking point at some yeah. point if you're hearing no constantly. Did you get the you're on our radar still? Oh, of course. Of course. It's like you're on our radar. You know, like, no, you're great. You're great. Like, you're just so creative and this and this ideas and all these things. And I'm like, all right, y'all probably stealing my ideas for, you know, your next pitches or whatever. But it's always like not enough experience. And I'm like, well, how am I supposed to get experience if no one wants to give me a shot? Right. Like, it's like I feel like a lot of these big corporations they want to be young. They want to be cutting edge. They always want to say they hire young people, but like, they're not really trying to do that unless they see their competitor to the left do it, you know. So, um, I was on that journey, and it was it was just really tough. Like I said, I was like really depressed. I was like kind of like, damn, I can't even just get it on sports in general. Like, f- like who knows when I'm gonna break into MMA? Like, it was just always something in the back of my head that I always was. Mind you, I'm watching fights every weekend. Like, this is just a part of my life, a part of my culture. Um, but still didn't figure out how. And going into the second year of that job, uh, you know, I I started training boxing. I started picking up Muay Thai too, going to like this local gym in Brooklyn, doing that. And I was feeling so good. And I was like, you know what? Like, people want me to get experience. I'm gonna get my own experience. I'm gonna get my own experience. But I'm gonna do it in what I like to do. So. I just started, like I said, I had a lot of sports internships, you know, throughout college, working for different agencies. I never had a direct one degree connection to MMA, but I knew people who may have known people who maybe had a, a radio show, right? Or just different things like that. So I honestly just went through my LinkedIn, like went through my old emails and just started hitting people up and just being like, hey, like, you know, I'm trying to break into the sport. like. I really admire your work. Like, I, w- I just want to talk to you about your journey. Like, how did you break barriers, right, in what you did? And just started talking to people, and pretty much one thing led to another, and I started uh, writing, right? I started creating content editorial at first, and then later just more, you know, video and kind of curating photo shoots and stuff like that. But I started uh, working with this one platform called New York Fighting, and they were specific to fighters in the New York area, both uh, professional and amateur, and just started writing there. And that was kind of like my in mm-hmm. to immersing myself in the, the fight community local here in New York. Damn, that's dope. I love how persistent you were on not. Yeah, because it's like, and, and when I tell you, like, I like, and I'm so open to say that I was depressed during that time because I feel like people never really acknowledge, you know, like those moments. Like it, it sucked. It sucked. It'd be, it, like when you're in a friend group and I think also at the time I was I was kind of building my support system, you know, and I was figuring out like, okay, like after college, right, all the friends you have in college, they're not going to be all the friends you have in your real life. And you kind of see like different people's hustles, right? Like I, I wasn't satisfied with just a nine to five job. It just... It just didn't serve me. Like after that year, I was, I listen. I was living in Madison Ave in the city. Like I was, I was doing good by many people's standards, by my parents' standards. But for me, I wanted more. I wasn't satisfied with that. And you know, it kind of was a transition of me starting to have friends and attract friends who were kind of on that same path of like, yo, I'm not satisfied with just a conventional. Like I want to try this path that hasn't been traveled yet. I know all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you're saying, that's why I've been pretty much keeping my mouth shut because yeah, I'm we're in the same boat. Yeah. You know, like you you're you've gotten to 
a situation now where you have like a dope title and you're with a company. Yeah. But man, that journey defines defies you. Like it's yeah. it's what made you. And it's easy to get dude, I've been depressed. I talk about my 2018 being miserable because I was in a similar situation where I was going to be- become a cop for Nassau County and it's like a dope job. It's like one of the, the four or five highest paid law enforcement in the whole country. Wow. And I got really far into the, the examination process and the whole investigation process. And my parents were like super proud to tell people like, yo, he's going to be a cop. NYPD? Nah, for Nassau County. Oh, okay. You know, you go to family events and like your family's kind of lame in a way. As much as you love them, they're like, oh, what do you do? They don't really care. They just want to like be nosy. And it got to a point for me where I started doing this about five and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, this is all I think about like all the time. Right. And I got depressed because I got disqualified from the police for a speeding ticket. I did a 70 and a 50. And I had to pay like retainer fees to get it overturned. And, you know, it's hard to save money, mm-hmm. right? Even me when I was living at home and I had what my phone bill and my gym membership and WWE network were my <laughs> only expenses. So it got to a point where I was like, yo, I'm like really depressed. I'm giving away all this money. I had braces too. I had braces at 26, right? At your age, I had braces. Matt, awkward. You know what I mean? But I had to get it done because I had saved up some money. And I'm like, yo, I think one day I'm going to be in front of a camera. And I would like to have a nicer smile and feel more comfortable in front of a camera. Now there's not a camera where I'm not comfortable in front of. I don't know if that would have been the case if I never did that. Mm-hmm. So it got to a point where I wouldn't have wanted to be my friend in 2018. And it was because I had all these things that were going on and, and getting denied, going to meetings with companies and going venturing out on my own and getting an interview and whatnot and hearing the same stuff like oh you're great you're this you're that but you just knew the butt was coming and it got to a point where i would just be like they're telling me nice shit and i would just be like all right man here it comes like what is it no experience all right cool what is it it's uh you're you're still not comfortable in front of a camera it's like yeah because i still got braces on like that's why you know it just got to a point where i was just like yo i'm gonna do it my own way similar to you like, I'm going to carve out, I'm going to become undeniable. And that's like a word that I like using where people get caught up in follower counts and all this stuff. And I think it's very misleading. I think it's the body of work that sells. I've done over 1,200 episodes. So so when I package that to people, they're like, oh, there's consistency. There's dedication. There's a body of work. The 10,000 hour rule, like I've surpassed that. So that's the biggest appeal to people. And now the show's gotten to a point where like the downloads, every episode are very respectful. It's backed by a network. So now it's, I'm coming at you from a different place, but I'm telling you at the time where I was at, it was completely different. Right. So you knew you wanted to get in front of the camera to be more comfortable, but when did you know it was a podcast that you wanted to start? Did, was it another form of content that you started with? So we, my friends and I started a blog back in like 2014. Hmm. I don't like writing articles, dude. Like, I could barely put tweets together. You want me writing thousand-word articles? So it was one of those, a, a, a poor poor man's version of, like, a bar stool, right, okay. was what we were trying to do. And then we quickly realized that, like, oh, you, you can never be bar stool, right? Like, you just can't because they've already dominated that market. There's always going to be kids going into colleges, fraternities, sororities. They're going to be down with bar stool. That's their niche. That's what they're dominating. 
So I got to a point where at the time, my buddy Joe, he's a big like YouTuber influencer. He's like, yo, I think podcasts are going to blow up. Like there's there's this new platform podcasting. It's still relatively new. It was maybe five or six years old, but it was just starting to the Bill Simmons and the Rogans of the world were starting to pick up a lot of momentum. He's like, yo, let's start a podcast and talk sports. I'll be the host. And we got three other buddies. So that all started. And from day one, Golden, it became something where people liked me. Right. Like they liked the show. Don't get it twisted because the show was awesome. But like I was getting a lot of feedback and then I started my own thing, like a sports betting show. And then that started doing well. And then it just got to a point where I saw the possibilities. Like I'm a. I was a, I'm a big future thinker, but it's in the back of my mind where in the past I used to worry so much about like, yo, what's going to happen in five years, 10 years? Like, yeah, yada, yada. I gotta, I gotta have a kid. I gotta have a house. We gotta be married by X. And then I realized like, yo, you're letting your life pass by you by not living in the now. So I got to a point where I was just like, yo, if I just do the work, like my pops told me one time, like, yo, nothing bad happens to someone that works hard. Facts. And it just resonated with me. Like, dude, whatever you want to do, if you just work hard at it, eventually it's going to be discovered. Perseverance. And that's what it was to answer your question about like the podcasting. I didn't know that I'd be doing this at all. I, I knew one thing for sure. I love, I love sports. It's probably the one thing that defines me the most. And I like all kind of sports, like all sports I'm into. And then I was able to carve up my own lane and get into the whole world of podcasting. And then from there, it's like, oh, you do a pod, you do the audio. All right, let's fire up some cameras. Now you have two pieces of content. You cut it up into different segments. Now you have three pieces of content. Before you know it, you have both visual and audio. So it's just like evolving with the times. Now I'm adding subtitles to my videos. Because uh, hey, that's like the yeah. new thing that everyone likes to do. Yeah, got to have that. It's just adding more, you know, and I've learned how to do all this on my own. Right. You know, I didn't go to school for any of this stuff. Just YouTube University. That's, yeah. uh, that's where I got my master's I mean, degree from. Like I said, no blueprint, right? There was no blueprint for you to break into. Like like I said, like I went, I literally wrote, I, I took a million law classes in college. Like all I did was like write papers. That's it. I didn't, I did not go to school for marketing whatsoever. So um, I forget where we where we were uh on this story of mine i was i started writing yeah right the yeah. writing part yeah, yeah so for, for the new york fighting yeah so for new york fighting um and that's when i started going to fights right so i started you know they would the the editors there they would kind of you know give me options of you know hey these fights are coming up like you know who on this card would you want to interview what kind of promotions like regional ones both both oh, nice so both regional and um and a uh, uh, professional. I have a very soft spot for CFFC. Yeah. Yeah, because um, my buddy Jared Gordon actually Jared fights. Jared Gordon. Yeah, 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 he fights this weekend. At the time that the pod goes out, it would have been over the weekend. So hopefully Jared <laughs> brings home the W. Big fight for him. But he fought in the CFFC. My buddy Sergio, uh, rest in peace, Sergio, he just passed away a couple months ago. He fought in CFFC also. Then he went and fought in Bellator. Jared's now in the UFC. Um, I know Paul Felder through Jared and some mm -hmm. of the guys, and they actually have one of the better, um, I don't want to call it a farm system because I feel like you're doing it a disservice, but there's a lot of guys from CFFC that end up going to uh, Bellator, PFL, big, big name promotions out yeah. there. So it's one of the bigger 
I guess like ECW promotions of <laughs> MMA, whereas like you have WCW and WWE would be like the Bellator's PFL UFC. Yeah, like the feeder, the feeder. The feeder, the feeder, there you go. Yeah, what I call it, call a farm it. system? <laughs> yeah, you farm system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm using the baseball term there. So it's it's the one athlete I respect the most, the MMA fighter. Whether you're on the regional scene, and I might even respect you even more because you're not making no money yet. You're making like, what, 400 bucks a fight, if that? I don't even know. I'm just throwing out numbers. You would probably know better than I would. But it's something where I know you got to go to work on Monday. Yeah. With black and blues and yeah. broken arms and yeah. legs and shit like that. Yeah. That that was the dope part is that like I started watching MMA as a kid, right? I knew it as a fan, but going to the regional shows really showed me what the actual fight community looked like in person, you know, like what it actually meant. So so I started interviewing, right? And I would always get invited to, you know, to go to the fights, whether it was a grappling event um, you know, just a regional show, or if it was like, you know, one of, one of the big promotions, right? Whether it was UFC, Bellator, what have you. Uh, but at the regional, you know, the local shows, it was dope. So I would, I would go dolo, <laughs> right? Like I, I, at this time, like I had a couple of homies who I knew liked fights and stuff, but I'm going dolo, um, whether it was in the city or in Long Island, like a random place. And I, you know, just, just chop it up with people, just introduce myself and talk to them. And I found that, the, from the promoter to the fighter to the the medics like just everyone there they're not there for money you know like that this is passion they're all, they love this shit because they are working a whole job before that some of these fighters they're going in a dojo at 12 a.m working you know doing usps what have you to like just make ends meet and to me that was like the dopest part like just actually learning about like whoa like on this level, like this is what the community is. And it is a community. It's it's kind of it was beautiful to me, honestly, like just hearing about everyone, like everyone's making all these sacrifices to put together this show and you see like there at a regional show, you see the whole the whole camp come out. You know, you see the whole gym come out and show love and they're rolling in deep and they're going hard for their boy like to win this this fight. And tell me tell me not, isn't it crazy when you see some like you're like, oh, what is he doing here? Or what is she doing here? Because it's such a small, tight-knit community. Guys and girls are working out in like the same gyms. Before you know it, it's like, I remember one time I saw Frankie Edgar. I was like, what is he doing here? Yeah. And my boy was like, yo, that's his training partners. His training partners in CFFC? Like, what the? But like you said, it's a small small community such a small community and like once i started going to shows i was like oh it's like literally the same people every time that's what's like i don't even i don't need any friends to pull up with me like i'm good like yeah it's you like, can just meet people there yeah yeah uh so that that was really fun for me and also for me like you know i wasn't i didn't grow up training or anything like that right like i was i was a true fan of the sport uh you know i started taking boxing classes started doing like muay thai classes but did you start taking those classes to gain some more respect for the sport or was it just something you're like ah oh, you know i could use a new workout because i think I, any mma training of any kind boxing kickboxing yeah. there's no better workouts than that yeah it was it was mainly to get a new workout but also just to like i wanted to know what it felt like you know what i mean like i'm, I'm writing love about it, this love stuff it, like yes. i want to know what like i want to know how to like do a triangle like i want to know how to do a roundhouse i want to know how to do that and and starting with boxing first actually was dope because 
I learned um, after when I started getting into like kickboxing Muay Thai, like the trainer was like, oh, yo, you have like good form like already, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, so in college, I bodybuild heavy. Mm. I bodybuild heavy. Like after I started getting into MMA, I started like really paying attention to like my nutrition and eating. I just started getting so immersed into like how people went about their like fight camps and just all of this stuff. Uh, and then by the time I graduated, I was so bored with it. I was so bored with it. I couldn't do the same, you know, five day splits, seven day splits. Like I was like cooking all my meals in a George Foreman grill kind of like dedicated bodybuilder vibe. Um, so yeah, so I started doing boxing just cause I thought it'd be dope. I was like, you know what? Why not? Uh, I was training at this gym in Soho called Work Train Fight um, that they actually have a lot of Golden Gloves qualifier Mm. matches there. So they would have like fights on Fridays and stuff like that, like boxing fights. Um, And at that point, I was like, oh, I kind of, I was always mainly into MMA, but I was like, hmm, I want to kind of like learn more about boxing. You know, I want to, I want, you know, it's it's, uh, on the the resurgence tip now, you know, but I kind of want to learn more about it. So, but then I feel like definitely probably like, a, a part of me also wanted to like, yo, I want to learn how to fight just because like, because people always ask that. They're always like, oh, you train? It's always like, oh, you train? And especially being a woman, being, you know, how I look, like I know I stand out like with the way I dress. Like at the time I've I've had probably a, every hairstyle you can imagine. Uh, at this time I started going to fights, I had Barney purple hair. Like I had <laughs> Barney purple braids. I had freaking Ric Flair blonde braids. Let's like, go. Way to make yeah. a statement. Yeah, because I was just like, yo, like I know I stick out like a sore thumb, so. Embrace I'm gonna, it. I'm going to embrace it. That's the best marketing. The best marketing embraces the obvious, you know? So I was like, all right, I know I stick out like a sore thumb. I'm coming here dolo. Like you're going to know me and you're going to keep seeing me, you know? And my work that I deliver, like it's always going to be, it's always going to hit. So, um, so yeah, so I started doing that all at the same time and kind of pretty quickly, like I started doing interviews and my approach kind of similar to what you, you, uh, you told me, right? Like you're, you like to treat these as like conversations, right? Versus yep. just like a Q and a kind of interview. Um, well, mine was also trial and error. Cause I used right. to be like over here, I got talking points for you. I used to be a, all right, I'm going to ask her this. You'll answer it. I'll ignore you because I want to get the question two, three, four, five. Yeah. I was like, those those are lean. Those are trash. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, all right, I'm going to send my guests three, four bullet points I want to talk about. And then from there, we just have a conversation. Yeah. So that was kind of how I felt too because I felt like, you know, like obviously I was a fan, right? So I was always on different MMA sites. I was always like looking at recaps or reviews of what people had to say. And for me, I kind of was just like, well, you know, if I'm pulling up to the same fight, right, and I'm on press row, if I'm interviewing this fighter and he's going to be interviewing with 20 other people the same week, there are certain questions that we are all going to ask, and that is going to be really. Rep- I learned real quick what a fighter doesn't want to be asked, right? Like, don't ask them about the weight cut. The weight cut sucks. Yeah, no one wants ne- to talk about it. No one ever yeah. goes, you know what was dope? My weight cut. Never. You yeah. will never hear that. Yeah, it's like, don't ask them about that, you know, or don't ask them about, like, you know, well, what's next, yeah. right? Like, because there's. I just have this this fight in front of me. Yeah. So I learned real quick about that. And for me, like, I I love MMA, but, you know, I also, I'm just a consumer of culture. Like, I love streetwear. I love hip-hop. Like, and I just wanted to learn more about 
fighters as people and just like learn about them in the cage and outside of the cage, right? And like, I, I felt like that that was really appreciated. You know, like anytime I did an interview with someone, they're like, yo, like I, I, I was telling this part of my story and I didn't even think you really peeped, but like the way you like told it, it was like so beautiful. Like people really were appreciating my approach that wasn't super traditional. Um, Cause for me, I'm just like, listen, like I don't know everything. You know, I'm not an encyclopedia. I don't know everything. I know a good amount. I know I know my shit, and I own that. I'm authentic to that. You know, I'm always going to be a student of the game. There's always so much more to learn about the sport. This is, I grew up with it, but I'm always real in that aspect, you know? So I'm not going to try to write a whole technical editorial about this move here or this lock here because, A, there are so many other platforms that are going to be saying that same exact thing, and B, you know, what I'm doing, I have to go back to my homegirls, right, and my homies and my brothers and be able to explain this to them and have that content appeal to all these different people. So all of these different people, you know, there are different aspects of the story that they're going to want to hear. So I would just always try my best to fulfill that. Um, and it was appreciated. So, you know, I started getting, you know, having editors give me interviews, uh, started working with Culture Hub 2 in 2017, right, when they really launched their website. Um, and that was dope because they kind of just was like, yo, go ahead, like whatever you need. like this. Well, that's, that's how it should be, though, yeah. because what you were saying is right. If I'm telling you to write a certain way, you're not going to stand out. And you can get that anywhere. That's what yeah. I tell people when they ask me about podcasts. The one thing that's worked for me is, yeah, I'll give you some stats. I'll give you some analytics. Like, I got that. But also, you can get that elsewhere. So what is the appeal to you? Why yeah. are people going to fuck with you? Yeah. And one thing that I've realized when I do interviews with anybody, don't ask them about what they do. <laughs> Try to hit them deeper. Ask them about different interests. Ask them what their hobbies are and have like a genuine curiosity to it. Like I'm a super curious dude. Like that's just my nature. I ask a lot of questions when I meet people. And sometimes it's like, yo, bro, chill, man. Like we get it. But it's like, nah, I'm just like, naturally curious if i go out to a bar and i see a dude wearing jays and i'm into them i'm like yo bro how much you paid for them like right. did you get them on stock x like did you take a l on the sneaker app like whatever it might be <laughs> you know so it's just uh, that's how i am and that's what's helped me with that's why i say it's conversations because there's no script to it yeah. like yeah i'm gonna i'll promote the thing that you want me to promote right like i've had i've had uh athletes on and i've had to make sure i have them talk about their foundation like i get that but leading up to it it's like yo i want to hear like what your diet is like in the off season like how much shit are you eating you know like do you like to gamble i like to gamble <laughs> we hit in vegas like what is it you know so it's it's about finding something that makes you stand out so i couldn't agree with you more about that yeah it's all about making because it's like like you said like there's so many platforms that do the same thing especially now where you know everyone's kind of up on the same wave of, you know, how you have to capture an audience, right? And all the, the different platforms you have to hit and all the different ways. Like even how you said, you know, you started transitioning from just doing like static posts to also static and video posts, right? Because you know that people consume that content different ways. But, you know, it's all, to me, it's just all about like being real to yourself. And I'm just like, yo, I don't have enough time to to try to fit into this mold of it also what takes it takes like. it takes too much energy out of you yeah. it's it just sucks the life out of you when you have to portray something that you're not 
Yeah. And that was something, again, with growing pains. I think everything is trial and error because it was not, it wasn't always like this for me. I wasn't always this comfortable where now, I swear to you, the only person that I'd be shook to interview is right here. <laughs> like if you was to walk in, I'd be like, yo, bro, I need like 10 minutes to collect my thoughts and my emotions and just chill because you're like my idol and my hero. But besides that, I can have a conversation with everyone. Yeah, because people are people. And you see that too. And that's why when you ask questions that are not just about. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What someone does, you see people are people, right? We all... We all, you know, drink water. We all, like, breathe the same air. Like, we all go through similar things. And, and that's how people, uh, you know, find a way to relate to you no matter what industry you're from. The training that you do, is it just, like, striking and stand-up? Have you done jujitsu? Have you done... No, no. So uh, what happened was I was training um, Muay Thai for maybe about, like, six months. And then my knees got real fucked up. It wasn't from impact of training, though. It was like the cartilage in my knees was just like genetically I'm like predisposed to like mm. lose cartilage. And at the point, like I remember I was like I was coming back from training and like putting ice on. I'm like, all right, I'm sore, whatever. But I started taking the train and walking up steps and like it was just shooting sharp pains. And it started in one knee and then quickly went to the other in a couple months. I was doing uh, physical therapy that just pretty much wasted my time. Pretty much like I got like a misdiagnosed first. So at first they were just like, oh, this is just a runner's knee. Like, you know, go do physical therapy for like six to eight weeks. Did that. Kept getting pain. Went to my other leg. So at this time. Right. So I'm interviewing fighters. I have my still have that nine to five sales job. Right. So I'm doing that nine to five. Go home interviewing people. Fridays, Saturdays. Can you give me fights. a timetable when this is? What year? Is this when you started with Culture Hub? I started writing in 2017, right? So, so you're still doing your nine to fiver while you're doing this as a passion project. Yep, doing that passion project on the side. And it was, what was it, uh, 2019? I think like uh, late 2018, like that winter to like 2019 where I went to another doctor and they were like, yo, you got to get surgery. Like, he literally was like, yo, you have the knees of a six-year-old. What, uh, what kind of surgery did you get? Uh, it was an arthroscopy to start. So I did that. And then there was uh, about a, a two- to three-month time period in between both surgeries. And uh, if you have knee surgery, you know that it's, like, really close together. But it was just so bad that he was like, yo, we got to do this to start. 
So I did that. Um, after each surgery, I was literally on a cane for about a month. I was like on bed rest uh, for like two to three weeks after that. Um, and it was in that time, like after I had my first surgery, I knew I was gonna have another one real quick. Uh, I started just getting really more motivated by like how much traction I was getting with my interviews and and just doing different forms of content. And, and at this point I'm having, you know, people reach out to me to interview not just fighters, but whether it's like, you know, the, the CEO of a Roots of Fight, right? Or just different things like that. Um, and I was like, you know what? Like, <laughs> I literally won't be able to move for, <laughs> for months. Uh, I'm getting all this traction. Like, what if I had that eight hours back in the day? Like, what if this time that I was doing my nine to five, I had that time back in the day? And um, it was probably like a week after my first surgery, I called up my manager at my nine to five and I was like, listen, like this has been a great experience. I appreciate everything here, but to be quite frank, I don't see a future in, in this industry. I don't see a future in, in, in sales. Like it's just not gonna happen for me. And I did that and I just kind of doubled down. So I doubled down, I started working at Culture Hub. You know, they, at the time they also had like an agency side to it um, and I just started flexing and pretty much was kind of a creative consultant, you can say. So I was doing editorial, creating content, but I was working on brand partnerships. I was working on different activations, uh, you know, just networking, doing different things, just all around media and creative, whether it was being on set of a photo shoot or just different things like that. Um, so I started doing that, but all that to say is that I'm still in my like recovery process because COVID kind of slowed it down. I couldn't go to physical therapy, uh, for a certain number of months and I couldn't start physical therapy for several months after I had both of those surgeries. So I haven't really trained in like two years. Dude, I commend you a lot for quitting your job to pursue that. What was what went into that decision besides the no future thing and wanting the time? You know, let's keep it real. There's finances involved, too. Mm -hmm. You're taking a big risk. Mm -hmm. You're leaving security mm -hmm. for the unknown. But the unknown, I feel. It's better for you mentally, spiritually, energy wise, because you're doing something that you really want to do. But what goes into that decision when you're saying to yourself, I got to quit this job that helps fund everything else? Not a lot of people do that, man. I know. I, I mean, it was just in life, like I'm a real edgy person. Like I'm the kind of person that like, listen, I'll do this now and ask for forgiveness later just because I feel like like I, I had a rough childhood. Like I've seen a lot in my life. So it's kind of like I know like life is short. You know, so I'm not I'm not going to die with any money that I have. You know, I need to like I can be very minimal, you know, and, and pursue something if I need to. Like I, I, I'm willing to eat that up. So it's like you said, like there were a lot of pros and cons that I weighed. You know, uh, my mom, I love her, my biggest supporter, but she wasn't thrilled. Um, but it just got to a point where, you know, I was I just wasn't fulfilled. I was doing things that really fulfilled me, but then I was so frustrated for the that eight plus hours a day that I had to be in an office and just kind of 
kind of feeling like a robot, you know, and, and it just going through the motions. Yeah. It just, it, it just, it got to a point where it started affecting my mental. It started affecting my creativity. I felt like I don't want to be in a slump for eight hours at work. And then, you know, I have to go and pick up my creativity and go get that back up when I have to do an event or, you know, go do an interview. So I was thinking about all of that and it was really just the fact of I was literally just laying in bed and I could not walk. Like I physically could not balance on both of my legs. I couldn't walk. And it just put things into perspective for me of just like, listen, I know this is temporary, right? Like there are some people who have long-term issues. Like this is just temporary for me. But hey, what am I doing? You know, what, what, the, what am I doing right now? Like what's worth it to me? What's worth it to me? This is what, maybe this is what, you know, some people from the outside may think, this is what maybe my employer may think, this is what my family may think, but what do I want? What do I want? And for me, I'm like, yo, I'm gonna shoot my shot at life, and if I fail, at least I can go to sleep at night and rest easy knowing that I tried. I don't wanna ever say like, oh, well, what if, you know, or just get stuck in a rut of, you know, working a job for 10 years that I knew wasn't really gonna do it for me. and. What I ration, what helped me rationalize it was, hey, listen, I'm young. At the time, what, I was like 24. Listen, I'm young. I know I can get a job easily, right? Like, I know I can, if it comes down to it and I end up being broke, I know I can get a job easily. I know I can do this. And I kind of just, I, I just plotted. And like, you know, like, like Serge, CJ, those are my homies. And, and it was around this time, they supported me a lot, you know? And they were just like, yo, like, make a plan. You know, make a plan, give yourself a non-negotiable date where by this day, like, I need to make a decision. Like, this is like, by this day, if I'm gonna dip, if I'm gonna just go and do this, I'm gonna do it. So I did that, stacked my paper. Uh, I was very frugal, very, very frugal. You got to. Yeah, I was very very frugal like scaled back a lot i didn't you know wasn't gonna nail done wasn't doing any of that funny business when i when i first moved out that first month i was super cheap just because i didn't know what yeah m what was gonna be my full expenses for a month yeah. like, i know i gotta make rent but what were the utilities gonna be like everything else also i benefited a lot because it's covid Course. I wasn't going anywhere anyway. Yeah. But the idea of buying some shit off Amazon, buying new gear for the podcast or workout gear, whatever it might be, I became very stingy with my money, which I think is what you would have to do when you're taking such a big risk like you did. Yeah. And like for me, I just realized, all right, cool. What's priority? Rent, bills I have to pay, uh, you know, things like that. MetroCard, right? Like my Metro, my MetroCard was like the 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 holy grail like it was like yo like i got this unlimited card i can go anywhere you can't see me because it was you ain't ubering i my rule is like i'm only ubering if it's like to a fight or i'm trying to get back home and it's late night at a certain back. time exactly. too that's the only time i uber also yeah if i know i gotta be somewhere at seven i'll uber if i gotta go when my friends and i go in pregame at bars before we go to an event it's like, oh, I'll take the train, bro. Yeah. Whatever. Y'all are going to be there at four. Fight don't start till seven. Like, I'll get there at five. Like, yeah. it's not urgent. Now, if I don't want a pregame and I want to get to the fights, I'll take an Uber from my crib at 630 to get to the garden or, or Barclays if I need to. Yeah. So I'm with you on that. I take a Metro card and just go. Yeah, just go. It's like, come on. That's New York Transit for you folks that might not 
know what we're talking about with metro metro cards 275 but by like in the next time i see you it's probably gonna be back to three bucks <sighs> so crazy so yeah. crazy. you said something before in passing and i'm always fascinated by this because i have some friends in sports that are women mm-hmm. and they tell me some horror stories and i think with you you come from a very unique perspective because one you're covering mma two you're also a black girl covering MMA or a black girl in sports also. And I want to know what is that world like? Because yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. When I was 16, 17, I used to be like, Oh, that girl don't know sports. She's a girl. As you get older, you mature, you learn more people's stories. You understand that. Oh, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. Right. I went to a meeting one time for a sports betting website and they were looking for hosts to do just weekly betting lines and shit like that. And this girl got the job. The one kid that was with me that went to this audition was like, oh, they're being sexist. They just want her because of eye candy. I was like, yo, fam, she actually knows her stuff very well. Like, you can't think of it that way because mm-hmm. it's not like that. But there are still people that do think that way. What is your interactions like in the sports media? And I could tell by the smirk you're, <laughs> you're about to cut a promo. Oh, man. Yeah. So it's funny because I feel like uh, I definitely had a different perspective on this. Like when I first started like uh, immersing myself in like the New York fight scene and like going to fights to like now where, you know, I'm working for one of the biggest companies in the world in the MMA business. And like, I, I have a title and things like that. But so when I first started going to fights, like I said, pulling up Dolo, right? Like I'm going, like, I, I know I stick out, right? Cause that's one of the first things people would say to me is just like, oh, is that there's someone fighting in the cage? Maybe it's a black guy, a black fighter fighting in the cage. Oh, is that your boyfriend? Oh, is that your brother? And I'm like, nah, actually like, um, I'm here on, work like I'm here on business duties you know so it kind of when I first started going to fights it threw me off that people would always assume that I was not there for anything else other than work even if I was sitting at a media table or even if I had a credential around my neck that said press or media it it kind of threw me off you know because I was just like what like I was like, because to me, it's like, you know, I grew up watching this, right? This is like my life. Like, this is my weekends. We're always watching fights. Like, it it, it kind of made me see the outside perspective of how some people viewed me when they first met me because they're also questioning, like, the authenticity. Like, why is she here? Who who got her here? Because she can't be here on her own, right? Um, Someone helped her get here. Exactly. Someone in, yeah. Exactly. It's a shame. Yeah, and that that you know that didn't like yo. I'm from Brooklyn. Like that don't sit right with me because I'm like yo. I'm earning my stripes. Like you know I I know like I I'm always trying to stay humble. You know I'm always like I said a student in the game. But that 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 definitely throws you off. And but when I made that decision to to quit that nine to five and to double down on you know just being a creative and like really pursuing a job in this sport, I told myself like yo I'm not I don't like. We talked about earlier, I don't have time to worry about how I look, how I talk, how I write. 
I'm not going to worry about any of that. I don't care what the other people here look like or how they dress. Like, I'm pulling up to a fight. I can pull up in my, like, IG baddie outfit, you know, with freaking heels and a dress. Or I'm going to pull up like this, like, in kicks and just a hoodie and just be me. Because that, that's me. Like that's, It's whatever you're feeling that yeah, day. Yeah, like, so, you know, if people are up here in suits, like, yo, you're not going to catch me in a suit. <laughs> like, like yeah. you're not going to catch me in a suit anytime soon. So, uh, you know, at first, I, I, when I would get that energy or like there's different things, you know, I've, I've been at a fight before. And if I see someone I know who happens to be a male, you know, they come, we dap it up, they hug me. I had someone ask me like, oh, does that guy, does he, you know, get free tickets to fights? And I'm just kind of like, yo. I'm credentialed, bitch. Right. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, but after a while, like, as I got immersed in the community, like, you know, honestly, I, I was just always authentic. And I think passion shines through everything. So I felt that from like uh, a small portion of people. But for the most part, people always showed me love because I was always just real with it. You know, like, I always, just wanted to learn more about people's story, whether they were a fighter, whether they were a promoter, whether they had a, a brand, right? Like a fight gear brand or something like that. Like I was always real and people would always, you know, just kind of help guide me or like help me teach me about like the business side of it. Cause I always let people know like, yo, like I'm trying to work on the business side. Like I want to help grow the sport. Like I want to work in marketing. Cause also as a woman, I found that working in sports people always assume that you want to be like a commentator or things like that nature and at that point I kind of I I changed the way I spoke about myself and my work I didn't just call myself a journalist I like to call myself a storyteller or like you know a curator of content because I felt like especially in MMA people associate that word journalist negatively they put you in a box yeah that's the same thing that's why I don't call this a podcast I call it a show yeah. Because there's like this video, there's audio, there's a lot of things that go into it. There's clips, there's a bunch of things. So yeah. I feel as if when you're a podcaster, it sort of limits your ceiling. I had my friend Valerie on a couple months ago, and she was saying how she didn't want to get pigeonholed because she's a traffic reporter and producer at New York One. And she said that she stopped calling herself a traffic reporter. Because then it's, well, she can't do news. Mm -hmm. She can't be a main act anchor because she's a traffic girl. Mm -hmm. So you get put in this box and it's very hard for you to escape from that after. Yeah, it's hard. And like sometimes people will put you in a box before you even open your mouth, you know, before you even tell them what you Well, that's a stereotyping yeah. no matter what it is. Yeah. You know, I even, I even got that when I went to a UFC event and I wasn't credentialed. I just knew someone that told me, hey, if you come at this time, they're a little more lenient, whatever. And then from there, they're all looking at you like, wait, why are you here? And I, I pride myself on being, I have imposter syndrome. I feel like I don't deserve some of the things that have been happening for me and that I've built because it's the old stigma of communications degree broadcasting. You had to do an internship with CBS or whatever it might be. You were a former radio producer. And nah, man, I was just a fan. And I just started doing a show. And then eventually it's just growing and growing and growing. So I do have that sometimes in the back mm -hmm. of my mind where I feel as if I don't deserve certain things in this field and in this media. How do you get over that? By not thinking too far down the line. And I kind of just, 
I try not to get too high or too low. Mm-hmm. I give myself 15 minutes to dwell or to celebrate something. Certain things, yeah. Like I might trip a little bit longer over some bad news that I had high expectations for. But I get grateful when opportunities get presented to me that I feel like I have imposter syndrome for. But then when when like the bad things happen and it's 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 when you're creating content and you know this it's one day this thing is going to hit and the next day it's not yeah. right certain episodes do better than others yeah that's just the nature of the beast maybe it was the time that i released a podcast that i didn't do as well maybe i released it on a friday night and it's like yo it's the weekend like everyone's partying and shit so you don't have that so there's a lot of things but for me it's i try my best to just when it comes to the content producing I try to just stay mellow. Like, I don't get too high. I don't get too low. I know this stuff doesn't suck. So I just try to, I get grateful with opportunities. And then I don't get too down when, like, things don't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I ask you that because I definitely suffer from imposter syndrome sometimes, too. Um, and I, I heard this uh, quote from The Rock, which I might butcher, but he said something to the effect of, because someone asked him, like, how do you, uh, you know, stay positive and stay confident, right, with all the different areas of, of uh, work that he does. You know, he's, a, he's, a, he's an icon mm-hmm. um, beyond athletics. And he said something to the effect of that, you know, all of his really tough times and, like, tribulations, he doesn't just push it to the back of his head after he gets over them. He always kind of tries to keep that towards the middle or front of his, his consciousness, right? Because it's like, yo, when you're feeling down on yourself or you're not feeling confident, it's kind of like, hey, but remember, yo, Nick, you, you went through all of this. You went through all of oh, this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You, need to, you need to have those stash in your mind. You need yeah. to have that in, in your memory box because that's what helps you. Because we all get to a point, right? Like, like me, for example, we're working out. I've been stuck at 195 pounds for like eight months now. No matter what I do, I change my, like, no matter what, I can't get past that number. It's gone the other way, but I can't get past that number. But it's also in situations like that, I used to weigh 250, 245. Oh, wow. So it's like, all right, man, you haven't gotten past that number, but yo, you've also dropped 50, 60 pounds since then. So that's one thing. The other thing is I think of like when I first started doing a podcast Mm -hmm. where I got 53 downloads on an episode and I was like wild hype. And then also, like, I go into clubhouses and people are like, I got I got 2,000 downloads last month. And you could hear their voice. It's like, they just won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I try to remind myself of those stages because now I surpass that per episode. Yeah. So it's like, you got to go back to those roots, right? Like, that's why I think the the coffee truck in the city that I have keeps me also... I call that, so you call that your nine to five. I call that my dream supply because that allows me to fund everything else that I'm doing. I just pour everything into what I'm doing. That's a beautiful way of looking at it, for sure. My buddy Mustafa said that with his job. He used to have a catering company before COVID and all that stuff got closed down. And he said he coined it the, the dream supply. I was like, I'm stealing that. And I'll pay, pay homage. <laughs> but it's it's true that's one way that helps me i don't like waking up at three in the morning that shit blows it's awful i get home at 11 11 30 i gotta take a nap because then i can't function i wake up at three i go work out and then i'm in here the rest of the day mm-hmm. so for me 
I look at it like that. And also it helps because like my family owns the business. So <clears throat> I'm grinding in this thing so that we can eat also. So I get that. Like you were working for someone else. It's a different vibe. I'm totally with you on that. But for me, that's what helps me stay sort of eyes on the prize and just I just do things. I just do things. I don't ask for anything. I don't feel like I've earned or deserved. And I just constantly do, constantly do. And yeah, do I get burned out? Fuck yeah, I'm burned out now. You know, this is the first show that I'm, I've done in two weeks. Really? Yeah, everything's just been pre-recorded. This is my favorite time of the year because I could get creative, right? The episode that we're recording now, they're here now on Monday, you came on a Tuesday. So it's more evergreen. It's more, it's less time sensitive than before where during football, it's like, I got to have something out Monday and Thursday and I can't, I need to record it the day before and put it out that day or something like that. Whereas now everything is more long form conversations. Like it's more, and you're still getting the current event stuff, but this is the time of the year where I can experiment and get creative and come up with new ideas. It, it all goes back for me, golden, the whole trial and error with, with everything, whether it's, producing content whether it's just day-to-day stuff kind of just you just you live and learn and i know it's funny as you get older all those like little sayings and quotes you go man that shit is whack i don't want to hear about that yeah it's all true yeah it's really all true yeah i feel that with uh you know just take things day by day like when yeah. i was younger i used to be so annoyed hearing about that but now these is i'm like i I'm dead ass just have to take it day by day Take it day by day. Like you have your short-term goals, you have your long-term goals, but at the same time, it's like gotta live in the moment. You yeah, know? celebrate small wins too. Yeah. Right. Of course, you want all the the big things to happen, but along the way, you need to celebrate celebrate yourself when some good shit happens to you. Yeah. Before you got to PFL, what from like the culture hub riding where where'd you go next like what was that route to get to pfl with with the stuff that you're doing now mm -hmm. so great question so pretty much after i quit my nine to five i was doing i was doing culture hub i was doing editorial but i also was doing like a lot of different freelancing gigs right like i was doing freelance uh, live social coverage for formula one drift racing and i was just doing like lots of different things like that and which started from an interview. I, I interviewed um, one of my mentors and my very good friends, Bakim Chernova, who started pretty much a real life fight club. So in like legit, legit. <laughs> so uh, he started in twenty uh, in two thousand and nine. Uh, so you know he came from. He was a, a model. He was just a just crazy entrepreneur. Went on tour with like a lot of music artists, like Bass Nectar, and it kind of just started from like homies chopping it up, like, yo, who can beat each other in a boxing fight? Uh, so he pretty much just started having fights in warehouses, you know, just different spaces in the city and in BK. And uh, I, I heard about him because I went to a Super Bowl party. And, you know, of course, you know, I'm talking about like, yeah, like, you know, I'm in MMA, I'm doing this. And someone was like, yo, like, have you heard of FNT? And I was like, no, nah, like, what's that? And I'm, you know, I'm here confident. Like, yo, I go to a fight every week. Like, what? Yeah. What is this? So, what promotion is this one? Yeah. So um, I heard about it and I pretty much DM'd him and I was like, yo, like, 
I heard you, you know, throw some crazy fights. Because I also searched it up, and, you know, this guy's in the New York Times. Like, it's just, like, a lot of things. Oh, so it's, like, legit, legit. Yeah, so pretty much F&T, it was uh, it's amateur, and it was smokers, right? So yeah, yeah. for people who don't know, that's a, a non-sanctioned fight. So um, usually it's if like I've been training six months at a gym, they'll find another kid from another gym that's been training six months. Usually yeah. you're on the same playing field. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be a, a, a white belt in jujitsu and then you're going to fight a black belt. Like they won't do that to you. But yeah. it's like especially when it comes to MMA. Yeah. Yeah. Like the coaches are going to like unless you have asshole coaches for the most part. There's like an unwritten rule of because one of my buddies did a smoker and he was doing Muay Thai for about eight months. Mm-hmm. And the kid that he fought was doing Muay Thai about eight months. And his his gym and his coach knew the other gym and the other coach. And there was like a, you know, it's the same, you know. You're not going to go in there and get overwhelmed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, pretty much. So, this is in 2018. Uh, so, I met him. Just hit him up for an interview. Uh, it seemed dope. And what was cool about FNT was it they would do uh, boxing, uh, Muay Thai, MMA, K1. And but it was standing room only and it was in a different space every time and they would have musical performances in between. So they had like, you know, Mike Jones perform, uh, ASAP Ferg perform and just you have a DJ spinning the whole time. So like when the bell rings, people go back to the corner, get some water, someone's spinning. Right. So it was like a party all at the same time. People drinking like it's it pretty much combined all the things I love. In one place. Yeah, in one place. So, uh, you know, I chopped it up with him. I did an interview, and it was just kind of like real recognize real. And he was just like, yo, like, honestly, um, you know, I'm about to relaunch FNT and uh, with Matt Projects, which is probably one of the dopest creative agencies in the world, and to, like, really increase the production value. And it was going to be sanctioned, right? And they were building a, a whole immersive brand out of it. And he was like, yo, honestly, like, I dig your vibe. Like, you know your shit. Like, I'd love for you to, like, just come and come and work with me on this. So pretty much he took me under his wing. And I think at the time we had the interview, uh, two months later, they had the, the first relaunch event of FNT. So FNT Volume 1, uh, we had it in the, the ballroom of the Williamsburg Hotel uh, in, in Brooklyn. And it was the dopest thing I, I saw at that time. It, it was just crazy. It was, you know, fights happening, was like five straight knockouts, had A-Track spinning, had Cameron pull up in the ring, come in, Let's doing a go. performance, you know? like Yeah, and it's like the, the dope thing about it was that the audience attracted, you had people there, you know, whether it's from like Sarah BJJ or like different, you know, different New York, Henzo Gracie, like all that all that, you know, hardcore MMA community, fight community in New York, but then you had this model who's in this Fendi ad over here, and then you had, like, you know, this actor and just, you know, different creatives, young photographers, like, all that, all that stuff, so, uh, you know, I, I went under his wing, and I really just learned a lot just from the promotion aspect of it, right, like, Talking to brands, doing brand partnerships, uh, you know, building an influencer network and figuring out how that is, you know, just seeing how we position the brand, right? And that was probably one of my most memorable experiences, honestly, because that I saw like it really helped me get a 360 perspective on the industry, right? Like, so in years, you know, I grew up, I, I know this as a fan. Now I'm, I'm, interviewing fighters you know i'm getting interviewing 
brand owners, different promoters. Like I, I understand that perspective, but now I'm in it. Like I'm talking to brands, right? And I'm, I'm hearing what they think about MMA. I'm hearing what they think about MMA with, you know, the like girls twerking in the middle of a ring, right? And Cameron pulling up. I'm hearing <laughs> what you know they're buying into, what they're hesitant towards. It, it was a dope learning experience. You good? You good? Sorry, I just um, had to adjust that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was just a dope learning experience, uh, and you know, we had events in New York, we had events in Miami, we had events in LA, and it was all experiential. So we threw a fight in a bank. I'm getting upset hearing all this because I'm thinking about how COVID has just silenced all these like gatherings and all the craziness, man. I know. I know, man. So devastating. Yeah, it's it's that's what I'm telling you. Like it's like my life. I I was always on the go. Like I was just always used to like seeing people in person. You know, chopping it up in person. All right, we have to brainstorm about something. Like yo, let's chop it up. Let's post up in the office. You know, get some food and just knock it out the only time i see my friends now is if they come on the podcast or if we go to my buddy josh's crib for pay-per-views that's mm. about it the whole like yo let's go grab a beer at a bar man they're letting people nah i don't want to uh, go covid yeah it's covid it's it sucks sucks man but especially hey, here in new york you know, i know people in florida are probably like we don't know what y'all talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're like yo we having all the fights we having all the we having men. everything man yeah like we're pulling up to everything it's just Regular, but it's crazy because that's what people come to New York for. Absolutely. You know, like that's what you come to New York for. Well, I, t- I talk about this all the time. You put up with shitty living expenses so that you could be down the road from Caroline's on Broadway or I'm two blocks from the R train to get me into the city in two stops. Right. But I don't got that same look. I mean, everything is available, but there's nowhere to go. Which is trash. Yeah, it's like, like, what are we going to do? Like, So now it's kind of like, you know, I have my homies that like pretty much my four homies are the only people I see. And it's like, I pull up to your crib this yeah. time. Pull up to your right, crib next Right, right, right. And that's about it. And you just yeah. like circle through. Yeah. Um, the, the From there, you go to PFL. Mm-hmm. What's what's that experience been like? And how, do you, how are you enjoying it? Because ultimately you got like the thing that you really wanted yeah. you're with a big promotion yeah and you're doing the thing that you love so yeah. you finally got there yeah i yeah. want you to tell me the feeling when you get that like call to go and work with them uh it was because i'm i'm close to having that feeling without yeah. without saying too much all right i'm very close on a big decision i have to make and it is something i've been working really fucking hard for for a long time yeah and it's like I have a thing where be your own cosign. Mm-hmm. I like that. But also, eventually, you do need someone to give you that extra kick in the ass to get you over the hump. Yeah. And I'm like, like very, very close. And it's it's pretty much finalized, but I can't share it yet. Okay. I know it's I'm being so very how long cryptic. are we? Yeah, like how long we gotta wait then? You gotta wait a couple weeks. Couple weeks. Couple weeks. You're going to do the big reveal on the, the show? I'm going to do a big reveal. There's going to be a video. There's going to be a wrestling promo that a lot of people, because there's a lot of people that are going to need to hear it. Everyone's entitled to an opinion. Yeah. But you are also entitled to remind everyone how bad their opinion was. So that's my TED Talk. I feel that. Well, first off, bless up. That's super thank you, exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but how did it feel? So, yeah. So, you know, I was doing all of these things. You know, I'm, I'm rocking with FNT. I'm like, me, like, I was... If you ask me 
that time when I was, you know, a teenager watching Gina Carano versus Cyborg on Showtime, like I kind of was doing already at that point what I, I wanted to do, right? But, uh, you know, I wasn't looking for a job. Uh, someone from PAFL reached out to me uh, pretty much, you know, on LinkedIn, just like, hey, like, you know, we have this position. Da, da, da. On your own, on their own. On their own. I didn't apply. I didn't apply because I, I wasn't looking. I wasn't looking. I the was... best things in life happen when you don't expect them. Yep. That's another one of my TED Talks. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's true, though. Yeah. It's true, right? Like, you yeah. know, same thing with me. This situation came out of nowhere. Right. Came out of nowhere. I was asked one question if I was interested. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And that was it. And it's like, I never would have thought that this would happen. Yeah. And at the same time, like, you've been hustling. You've been grinding. Like, you got all these shows on your belt. Like, you know, like, you're doing your thing and you're not even thinking about, I need this to be here. That's maybe this in the back of your head, but it's like, you're just... You know, you're in your motion. And well, the things flip-flop for me because my thinking was always, what's going to happen? We talked about this before. What's going to happen in five, ten years? Mm -hmm. And I was just letting everything go past me. And now I'm I'm very persistent to the point where, like, I'm annoying. Like, I'm f facts, facts are facts. I'm annoying when it comes to certain things. Like, I never asked for something I don't feel like I've de I deserve or earned. And then I stopped asking for things, and that's when things started happening for mm -hmm. me. That's very important. If there's anything you take from this, it's that. It's like, yo, don't ask people for shit because they're not going to do it for you. It's going to happen organically. When I do my shows, I just show up. I fucking love doing them. I think one of the reasons why I got down these last couple days is because I haven't recorded in two weeks. Mm. So as much as I want to take time off, I can't because this is the one thing that makes me feel fucking lively. Yeah. So I got you here today. Tomorrow I got a friend coming in. Tomorrow, the day after, I got my, my buddy coming in from Sports Illustrated. So it's like, yeah, man, I want to step away. I get it. But also, like, this is an escape for me. Mm -hmm. So it's so rewarding like it was for you with the whole PFL thing because – Dude, you made mad sacrifices, man. Hell and sometimes yeah. you live you also live in the moment because it's you. Like when it's when it's me and people tell me like, my buddy Mustafa again goes, dude, anytime you mention or tweet or post, he always texts me. Yo, twelve hundred episodes is crazy. CJ and Serge are like, What the hell you've done that many? Like yeah, that was we haven't written articles, that many articles. You're doing audio, right? But it's like, yeah, man, it's your whole body of work that people are enthralled by. And that's the big selling point to it. So with you to sort of give you your flowers, it's like you're, you, you've been living it. So you might not think like what you've done is dope or cool or unconventional because it's you. That's how I feel too. But when you have outside people that look into your story, like hearing this, I mean, it's been fucking beautiful to hear that you've made these sacrifices and then you finally got that payoff. Thank you so much. But you're right. Like, it's what I'm living every day. So it's even like how I said, like, at first when I was pulling up the fights and people would say like, oh, no, like they're assuming that I'm there for everything but work. It threw me off because I'm like, Dude, this is this is just me. Like everyone in my life, they know me as they know me as MMA's homegirl. Like they know that's what I'm I'm the chick you watch fights with, you know, like, yo, let's pull up. Let's watch a fight. Like that's that's my life. So, um, yeah. So, you know, at the time I was working with FNT, I wasn't looking for a job. Uh, so I was working with FNT and the the agency that was also helping produce the events because the, pr the production value was 
out of this world, right? It wasn't uh, just like a, a regional show you would go to. It, it, it literally looked like a movie, even just the way we did the promotions and content and things like that before the event. Um, so uh, I was doing that and uh, the agency, Matt Project, they were like, yo, like, how's Golden getting these meetings with these different brands? Da, da, da. So they, they had, they were a 360 agency, but they had experiential events. So I started working on both sides, like with F&T, like as a community manager, you know, right hand with the, the, the founder, doing all that. And then I started working on sponsorships and brand partnerships for the Matt Projects as a whole with all of their other events. So I was pretty good with what I was doing, you know? I was just rocking, right? Like, FNT's gonna build up. Um, and, and yeah, someone reached out to me on LinkedIn about job at PFL. And ironically, I, I've been to PFL fights. I, I went to a lot of the fights in their, their first season in 2018. I went to their championships at MSG. I went to their first actual fight, actually, uh, 2018. So the first season, their opener, which was also at MSG. So I knew what it was. And I, at the time, I thought, hey, PFL's dope. Like, the more, the more platforms for MMA, the better. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like It's the same thing with like in wrestling too. Like AEW just started a couple years ago. Yeah. And it's like, that's dope because you want to have competition. You don't want to have a monopoly where it's just one person. Like there's no, that's when things get stale. That's when there's no anticipation of, oh, is this person coming over? Is that person going there? You guys right. have, re have just signed a bunch of big names, like household names over. And that brings credibility and it's dope. You want to have that. You want to have options. Yeah. And you know, like. Because there are there is some crossover with MMA, like the MMA community and uh, wrestling. But, you know, like as a, as a wrestling fan and an MMA fan, like we're so hard to please. Like we always want more. It's I, I one of my sayings also is never good enough. Of course. It's just never of no course. matter what it is, no of matter course. what it is. You help some old lady carry her, her uh, luggage out of the car into the airport. They're like, man, yeah. she wants something from her. What is it? Right. She want to be in her will or some shit yeah. like that. It's like, nah, man, I'm just being like. A, a, a kind soul but it's, it's just never good enough for people. yeah exactly so it's like you always want more you always want more so uh for me i was just kind of like all right cool yeah like i've been like i've been pulling up to pfl i wrote an article about uh the championship so i was like all right this is kind of funny like all right cool yeah let me do this uh so you know i went through the whole uh interview process it was uh, pretty rigorous i will say and uh honestly what appealed to me too because Mind you, I, I quit that nine to five, right? And that was because like, you know, I didn't want to be a robot. I didn't, I wanted to do something that I was passionate about doing. So even with working on on the, the bigger level with these, these different platforms for MMA, um, I was just like, listen, if I'm going to do this, like I want to do it my way too. I want people to respect me as an individual. I want to have a voice. I don't want to just be told to do five things each and every single day. Um, and, and, you know, PFL wasn't the first company on that level to reach out to me, but they were the best. And they really, even just in an interview process, they really were looking for like my voice, you know, like, how do you see this brand? How do you see the industry? Like, what's your perspective? Um, and in that, like, you know, I pull up to my interviews and Royal Jordans, like, you know, I'm, I was like, yo, this is me. Like, you know, this is me. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna conform to any way. And, um, yeah, I got I got the offer. It all went well. It was actually around this time last year, almost to the week, actually. Yeah, I think my year anniversary was like last week. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. <laughs>
um, that that I started working. So it was dope. And ironically, I, I started working about maybe t- a few weeks before COVID like really hit. So that was interesting as well. Um, but it really gave me an opportunity because, you know, first off, you know, I'm 26. I know like a lot of people could say um, I'm young for what I'm doing, right? Um, but they really believed in me and uh, I believed in myself. And especially during 2020, you know, we, we postponed our season. It wasn't the, the best timing just to hold the integrity of the sports season format. So for people, you know, people who watch, uh, you know, MMA as a whole, you're used to seeing one-off events. That's, that's kind of what we call it, right? Like it's just, you know, here's the number of the fight, uh, you know, the cards put together, however the matchmaker or pr- promoter wants to put it together, and, and that's the pay-per-view you'll see. But with the PFL, it operates on the sports season format. So you're a football guy. Mm. So, like, you kind of know this vibe. So started for a regular season, playoff, and a championship. So, you know, the first fight of the regular season, you know, those, those matchups are made. But from there, it's really on to the fighters how they end up throughout the season. Um, as far as activity? As far as who they fight next, right? So it's like you start off and then, you know, uh, in uh, PFL 1, like the first fight of the regular season, our, 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 uh, our fight operations will make that matchup. And then from there, based off who wins or loses, that's how... You match each yes, other yeah, up. Yeah, that's how you match so up. So would you match it up winner versus winner? Is it winner loser? Like how does how is that process about... Yeah, so usually it's it's winner versus loser, but there's also a point system, right? So depending on how you finish the fight, you you accrue a certain number of points, right, and that's right, right. how you acquire whether you're the number one seed, the number two seed, different things of that so nature. So there's like finish bonuses. Exactly, exactly, exactly. That's dope. Yeah, because you give them an incentive to go out there and perform. Exactly, and it's to me, I I just I loved even like when I just pulled up to the the first fight, I loved it because I was like, yo, this is so different. Like just as a fan, like I've watched everything, and I'm like, yo, this is this is cool. This is kind of different. And I, I, you know, I wasn't super into traditional American sports. Like I wasn't super into football. I wasn't super into that. So to me, it was unfamiliar to me. I was just into MMA, and this was just a whole different way to watch MMA, and I love that. So, a lot of fighters like that too, because it's like, hey, like you're just not looking at one fight ahead if you're in pfl it's more than a fight it's a whole season you know it's a whole season and at the end of the season if you make it to championships you know you grind out through playoffs make it to championships you get a world title you get a million dollar bag men get a million dollar bag women get a million dollar bag and i think that shit's fire that's super fire hell yeah yeah that's a big ass payday <laughs> Hell that's a yeah. huge payday. Hell yeah, and that's in every every weight division, baby. Every weight division. So six weight divisions, six championships, six million dollar bags. Talk about being unique and standing out. That's that's exactly it. Like I have friends who just watch one promotion, but when they hear PFL, they're like, "Oh, that's the million." We call it the millie chasing. The millie chasing. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're chasing for the million dollars. If you're a fighter there, you want to accumulate all those yeah. points and like put on performances. Like, how how much more incentive do you want than that? You're a world champion. Also, you get paid a huge amount of money. 
Hell yeah. And you know, fighter pay has always been a discussion in the oh, industry. Oh, that's gonna that's a yeah. long, long debated discussion for ages, and it's probably gonna continue always. Always, always. But which I, is another th- thing that makes the PFL dope as hell. Yeah, yeah. It's like you give people that opportunity of just like you know, as a whole, you know, our fighters are paid well, but especially hey, you have this to look forward to. Like, and also, it's also the 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 uh, consistency of competition, right? So in one year, you, in order to reach championships, right, to make it to championships, you would have to successfully compete at least five times. And if you're in a PFL season, that's one of the toughest years of your MMA career for a lot of people because some people are used to fighting maybe two, three times a year, just depending on how the cards come out, you know, depending on how the deck unfolds from the the matchmaker the promotion who the promoter who's making the event so that's also a, an aspect that appeals to a lot of fighters too of like hey yo i, I can come here and just show people what i got because it's like no matter what you say about the pfl you gotta win mm-hmm. you know the, there's no the competition is tough you know there's there's some people we have insane highlights you know some people you get you can get murked in a pfl season I mean, it's real a, quick it's a fight yeah. yeah it's not gonna and it's not a it's not some slap dick promotion like you yeah. guys are legit yeah so yeah it should, you should not in, in in fighting you should not sleep on anyone yeah and at anything i mean over the weekend there was a dude who was like a minus 800 favorite who's like a 19 time black belt world champion jujitsu guy he got tapped out in that fight, and people were like, "What the hell? This right. is the craziest thing." But it goes back to the whole idea of I think the biggest appeal to MMA is that it's the only place that you can really see people fight, and there's no, there's rules, but there's no people aren't gonna jump over and break it up, right? Yeah. Like a fight breaks out on a basketball court, it's everyone's the fake tough guy. Like no one wants to get hit in the NBA because their money maker is their face too. So it's the one place. Where there's actually the animals just collide and go at it. Yep. Yep. And that's what I love about it, too. Because honestly, I feel like every other sport, it just doesn't capture me the way MMA does. Because it's just like, it's so, it's so unpredictable. Is it not the best sporting event to go to? Of course. It's lit. It's lit. Like, it's lit. Even compared to boxing. Because I started going to boxing fights, too, um, over the last couple of years. Because I was like, all right, like, you know, let me learn more. And it's just not the same. It's so weird because I feel that way too, where there might be boxing main events that I'm more into, uh-huh. but I never, ever, ever watch the undercard. Yeah. Whereas when I go to an event, I'm there from the first fight. Like, I love it. And I love the timing of everything. You could go and get your beers, right. go get some food, use the bathroom, no rush. Like, it's nice. It's a nice pace. I think it's the best bang for your buck. Yeah. MMA. It's my favorite. I love it. I love it. And that's why, like, yo, I'll be here watching the prelims starting from, like, 5 o'clock. It was a different time zone starting earlier in the day. Like, I'm all for it. Like, because even on the undercard, there's a lot of sleepers. Mm-hmm. Like, you really can't sleep. Like you said, you can't sleep on anyone in MMA. You really never know. You really never know. Um, so that that's what I love about it. And there's just – I've been to tons of basketball games. Like, I, I was in high school when the, the Barclays Center got built, so I've been to so many Nets games because they were really cheap, probably up until this year. Yeah, that's <laughs> a fact, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, but MMA has just always brought me back. Like, that's, that's always just what brought me back. I feel that. That's dope. It's it's become really my my favorite one. And when I started training jiu-jitsu also, 
it's become like the the new thing that I'm like obsessed over. Yeah. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. How long have you been training jujitsu? About a year and three months. Nice. But I'd say I started about a year and three months ago, but I took off for like three and a half months because of COVID. So it's yeah. really about a year. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a I'm a two stripe white belt. I don't train much in the gi. That's the no thing. No gi. No gi. Yeah. No, no gi. gi is popping. <laughs> it's so it's so good. I feel so much. So I started training because of my buddy Sergio. Uh-huh. He's fought in uh, the regional scene and then he fought twice in Bellator also. And I started training because he would always tell me like, "Yo, you gotta come train, bro. You gotta come train. I'm telling you, you're gonna love it." I was like. Man, I'm not really trying to grab dudes. Like, that shit is mad weird to me. I'm not trying to do that. First class, right after. I'm like, yo, we got to yeah. go again. We got to go again. Yeah. And it's uh, it, it's something now that I, I've started continuing doing. Now with his 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 brother has taken over the school because he passed away. And it's just something where it's become like my new obsession. It's dope, it's dope to know a martial art of some kind. Like, I've, I'm not a fighter at all. You know, you said that you do you did Muay Thai and, yeah, and boxing. Yeah, yeah. I asked one time to. I was like, "Yo, how do you check? How do you check legs? Like, well, how do you leg check?" He just finished eating. He's like, "Yo, come here, let me show you." So he's like, "Throw a kick at me." I was like, "How hard am I throwing a kick?" He's like, "Go like twenty five percent." So I kind of just wind up. You know, he checked it. I was like, "I'm good." <laughs> I was like, I'm soft, bro. I'm not trying to get punched in the face. I don't do live sparring, none of that. I'm gonna just stick to my grappling. Oh, uh, so so you just you're, you're like ground game, like you're not ground trying to, game. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. That's it. You're I know. Running it off, like for real, because I like once once my knees get better, like I'm definitely gonna go back into stand up. But I do want to learn. Like I gotta learn. Jiu-jitsu. I know. I know some some stand up stuff. I've taken Muay Thai also, but it's not something that I seek or go to the classes for it. It's more for the workout. Right. So I know some combinations. I know how to defend myself. I know how to check kicks. And also, like, I have really good hips, so I can throw, like, leg kicks really high. And Serge used to be like, bro, what the hell? Where did that come from? Like, it's so <laughs> random. But I'm all about the ground game. Because also the cool thing about BJJ is if you put me in an arm bar and I tap, it's like, all right, man, yeah. let's go again. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a give or take there where if, if me and you are sparring and you throw – a right hook and knock me out. I might be concussed. might break my jaw. And obviously we'll have headgear, but still you're still getting popped. Yeah. So it's a completely different thing where like you could go a five minute roll with someone in BJJ and you might tap them four times. They might tap you three times, but then you could go again. You could come the next day where if you do a live sparring, you know, six rounds, three minutes, it's like, yo, I'm going to need to take a day off. You, know, you can't <laughs> be sparring all the time. Yeah. So it's just, it's completely different, man. And and the BJJ is it's also it's a great workout too. And also, basic in- instinct, people go out, what's the first thing they want to do? They want to throw punches. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know how to throw just a proper jab, right? So you just grab someone, it's done. Over. It's done. You also, take them to the ground. You can you can put them in a submission and not really hurt them. You know, you're not busting someone up. It's like you could control a situation down. Yeah, I was going to say, it's also, like, such good restraint, you know, because you can, you can put someone in a hold and be safe about it and, like, they don't walk away, you know, hurt or anything. Right, like yeah, that. you Whereas, can contain them and, and suppress them and yeah, calm them down. Whereas if, like, yo, if, like, you catch me on the wrong day, I'm wearing some Tims or some up-downs and, and, I, and I kick <laughs> you, like, it's, it's going to be rough. For sure, man, for sure. Listen, we're coming up on almost two hours of doing this. Uh, 
let's wind down a little bit. Right. I want to ask you two quick things. Give me a short-term goal and give me where you see yourself in about a decade. I know we were just harping on how like we don't like that, yeah. but I'm throwing you a curveball just because I'm curious. All right, cool. So uh, short-term goal, like, you know, like I said, I started with PFL about this time last year and, you know, I did a lot. We did a lot in 2020, but we we put off the season until now. So April 23rd, Friday, undercard, 6 p.m. Eastern, ESPN Plus, 9 p.m. Eastern, ESPN 2, fights are back. So for me, doing what I do, uh, I just want to have a great season. I want to have my great marketing campaign. I, I want to see that come to life. Like, there's so much heat that I'm sitting on right now. Like, you don't understand. Like we, I can see the excitement yeah, like, in your voice. Yeah, ooh, yeah. There's, so much, there's so much heat. There's so much blood, sweat, and tears that I've been working on with with my digital team, the broader team, just uh, everyone over at PFL, just some really great creative minds. And I just wanna see that come to life. You know, I wanna see, I wanna see people see our, our platform, see the new talent that we have, like just, God, like in the last three months, it's like crazy. Like every other week, it's different champion joining the league. So I just personally can't wait to see that come to life. Like for me, uh, you know, this is, the, the first campaign that I'm going to be spearheading, executing on Fire. this level. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. So for me, short term definitely is like, yo, 2021 PFL season's here. I can't wait to see that come to life. Damn, I'm, I'm even more excited about it now. Hell yeah. Get your, get your ESPN. I got that. I got that. I'll be on that. Nah, I, I show extra love to people that give me their time to come on the show. So I'll be I'll be rooting for you. Now that I know, I'll be like, all right, man, let's let's hope this does well. <laughs> And then uh, give me something uh, later down the line. Down the line, 10 years, I think uh, definitely my goal is just to be a CMO in the sport that I love. You know, I love, I, I want that. I want that. I want to be at the top, you know, right now. Because, like, everything that I'm learning, everything that I'm doing, it's like, like I told you, I have that 360 perspective, and I'm learning so much. Even in 2020, working with PFL, doing, working on a lot of things that, you know, typically if, we were throwing fights I probably wouldn't have the opportunity or time to work on, right? You know, we, we launched an OTT app. We launched PFL's app. Like, I was a part of that, marketing it, positioning it, so many different things, positioning linear content on, on cable TV, you know, the different uh, documentary kind of style content that we made on, uh, for, for ESPN. Being a part of all of these different things, e-commerce, all of these different things that I really wouldn't have had the time to really devote while doing fights, it's just made me better, you know, and it just made my pulse on the market, my pulse on the brand better. And 10 years, I know I know I could be head of marketing in this sport. That's what I want. I want to help grow the sport. I want to help continue grow this, the audiences that come in, you know, the partners, just just all of that, you know, and, and PFL, we're in over 160 countries right now. And I want, I want that to be every country in the world, you know? Um, so I think definitely being a CMO, being a CMO, still working in MMA, still working in the fight space. Uh, and if I were to be honest, I think like a, a long-term passion project outside of that I would want to do is because I'm such a streetwear addict. I would love to like be involved in my own MMA streetwear brand somehow or do a crazy collab and you know like I'd love to see that come to life that's dope yeah 
again, it's authentic to you. Yeah. Because you talked about your streetwear and kicks and all that, so it fits. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I enjoyed this conversation. This was dope. Thank, Thank you for you coming so on. Much. Give me the social media handles. People follow you. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, the floor is yours. This is where you get to shine even more and tell people where they can find you. Hell yes. Yeah. So I am Golden. That's G-O-L-D-Y-N-M-M-A on IG. And uh, that is my God-given name. It's on my birth certificate. That's one thing that people like to ask me a lot, too. It's on my chain. It's on my ID. It's on my birth certificate. That's Golden. cool as hell. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so that's me. PFL MMA. PFL MMA on IG. Uh, Pro Fight League on Twitter. Follow us. The season starts Friday, April 23rd, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN Plus. 9 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN 2 is more than a fight. I can't wait. I can't wait to have you pull up to a fight eventually uh, one day when yo, we're out of this. If you think this. if you think this whole time I wasn't fantasizing about catching invites to go to one of these, <laughs> you must not know how this works. I, I can't wait to be able to go. I can't wait to, to just just be able to do something, you know, right. like it's just so, so cool. So I appreciate the extended invite. Thank you for coming on. Guys, at the Lamb Shows, where you can find me at Veterans Minimum. You can find everything for the show. Check out the Patreon. Golden does the six pack as well. And I will catch you guys next time. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com